Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, it's Jess. Welcome to another episode of Modern Mama's Podcast. I have a really special guest on today, one of my friends, Jeanette Tapley. My friends in real life, actually. This is not just someone that I know through the interwebs. Um, Jeanette is going to be with us talking about a topic that is something that's been on my heart for a long time, something that I'm just starting to kind of research and I know she's been through, but we're going to be talking about international adoption today. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeanette. Thank you so much for having me. I love your guys' podcast and I love all that you're doing. And it's so fun to sit on the other side of this microphone. Right? Oh my gosh. So you guys, I was on Jeanette's podcast. It's time for coffee. Um, And it was so fun. Like exactly what she said. It was so fun to just kind of show up to tell your story um, because it's easy to tell your story. I mean, that's like, that's just like second nature. So I'm excited to have you on the other side of the microphone as well. Um, so, let's let's introduce you to the peeps, to our friends. Um, so Jeanette Tapley is wife to Jesse Tapley of almost 14 years. You guys were married pretty young. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, I was 18 and a half exactly when we got oh married. Gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> she they now she is a mother to Zeke, Titus, and Zoe. She loves talking to friends and laughing loudly. I've I've heard her laugh. It's the best. Um, advocating for adoption and a nice cup of coffee. Jeanette is the host of It's Time for Coffee podcast, where she interviews friends, new and old, in hopes of connecting others and meeting her friends right, right where they are. Her passion lies in other women finding themselves in a less lonely state, knowing they have friends and others around them in the same stages of life. Amen. At 32 years old, she is coming into the understanding that God made her just the way she is. If you wanted her any differently, then you would have made her that way. Oh my gosh. I mean, it took, it took me about the same amount of time to figure that out for myself. So good on you. Um, <laughs> Jeanette longs to be a friend to all and enjoys bringing others together. What a fantastic bio friend. Oh, thank you. It, yeah. um, it always makes me laugh because I, I am coming into that knowledge that like, hey, God made me just the way I am. But I still want to change so many things. But I'm like, you know what? He would have done that if he wanted me that way. So it's like a daily lesson, yes. which is it's just good. Yeah, it's a daily lesson. It's like you do want to like in certain areas of your life, you work to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not necessarily change yourself, but improve upon yourself in different ways, learn and grow. That, that's inevitable. But, right. you know, there are those like deep seated things about us that like, you know, especially I think back to like my twenties where it was just like, Oh, I hate that about myself. Like I can't stand that I'm like that. And you know, you try, try and try and try desperately to change. And then, you know, 10 years, whatever, however long it takes you later, you just come to the realization, like you said, like, that's just me. Like, why am I fighting against the current on this particular issue? It's clear I'm not going to change. 
that's just who God made me. And sometimes it's not like the best thing or sometimes it might be a crutch. But other times it is like when I started the podcast, it was like, man, I really feel like God made me to be a friend to others. And I shied away from that for so long because it's not easy to be the person who's always like talking to strangers in the grocery store. Um, (laughs) But it is who I am. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I'm like the person who's like, oh, I see someone and I know I'm like, I need to like go down the other aisle, which is terrible because I'm, (laughs) I love people, but I'm also an introvert at heart. So it's like, it's this like weird dichotomy that I live in. Jesse always reminds me that I'm able to say, hello, how are you? Without being like, how's your mom? Is everything okay? (laughs) He's like, you don't have to go deep in the grocery store tonight. You can just say hi. I'm like, I know I need to, I I, something I need to be better at. (laughs) No, I think it's a great quality. And I don't think you should change that about yourself at all. Maybe text them later and ask how how their mom is. (laughs) That's, that's a great, that's a great way I could do that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, today, like I mentioned before, we are going to be diving into Jeanette's, um, their family's adoption story, the process of international adoption, the pros and cons. Literally, you guys had a ton of questions um, that I posted on Instagram, a call for questions. And so many people, it kind of like made my heart so happy that, that, you know, maybe not all of these people are going to go through with the process, but the fact that they all were willing to kind of put themselves out there and they want to know more to see if it's the right fit for them, um, just made me so happy because, you know, I've seen through like social media and, you know, through your life, um, that how, it appears how much Zoe has like changed you guys as family and you, mm-hmm. you know, you as a person. And it just seems like such a special thing to choose to do for someone else um, and for yourselves. And so I'm so excited to dive in. I'm so excited too. This is like um, one of my favorite things to talk about, honestly. Well, good. And before we dive into the heavy stuff, I like to do an icebreaker question and I kind of, um, wrote this question because I I think I know maybe the answer. And if you don't say this, this thing, I'm going to like ask you about it, but have you ever had a brush with celebrity? Okay. So now after you saying that, I think I know what you were going to say, but (laughs) I'll answer this way first. Okay. Um, in, so we're originally from Alaska. Jesse and I are both born and raised in the frozen tundra. And, um, I was breast, I was coaching cheerleading at the time and I was breastfeeding Titus in the car and I was at an event uh, with my cheerleaders and I saw Sarah Palin like show up <laughs> randomly. Oh and so like, I like stop breastfeeding as fast as I can. I like get Titus dressed. I jump out of the car and I'm like, Miss Palin. And she's our governor at the time. I'm like, okay. Miss Palin, like, and honestly, like, I know this is like political ish, but I'm like, she did amazing stuff for Alaska. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful to be meeting you. You're a great governor. We love you. We support you. The next Tuesday. So that was a Saturday Tuesday. She was announced as the VP nominee oh uh, with um, president or McCain, John McCain. So really fun thing. But I think you're probably alluding to like my buddy, Rachel Hollis. <laughs> yes. Your BFS, <laughs> Rachel Hollis, your BFF. My BFF, my BFF, Rach. Uh, yeah, no, Rachel Hollis and I um, are, like, I just, I've gotten to, like, follow along in her story from, for past couple years, and as she's grown, she's built this great community around her, and she started small, like, just like mm-hmm. all of us, started small, and she would start with these, like, hey, I'm going to be at Torchy's Tacos in Austin when I'm in Austin, whoever wants to come, like, come. 
And so, like, 50 women would show up, and you'd, like, get your book signed or hang out with her and just talk to her. And um, it was just so neat. And so then, like, we've just kind of, like, I wouldn't say, like, we're friends, like, but she definitely, like, knows, like, my family. And she, like, asked me how Zoe is or she's always – she's really, really sweet and really genuine with her um, following and her tribe, as she calls it. So, yeah, I've gotten to, like, hang out with her quite a few times. It's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, I just remember – we so if you guys don't know who Rachel Hollis is, I'm I'm kind of like thinking like she's a celebrity like celebrity status, but like to me in my circle of like influencers and people that I follow, um, she's is a celebrity. She wrote this book called Girl Wash Your Face, and she's done a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, and her what is her conference? Is it Rise? Rise. Yep. So yeah. she has a um, Rise conference that she puts on every year. Um, and I got to go to the first one, which is in uh, Rise Austin, and then I went to the one in. Um, Oh gosh, it was in April in LA and that was just so amazing. Oh it's it's so great because you're in a room full of women who don't believe or think the same way as you do, but you're being empowered at the same time and your dreams are not this intangible thing, but your dreams are brought to life because she's standing there saying like, look, I did this and you can do it too. You just have to get up and go. Mm-hmm. And so neat. And so you're in a room of women who are like being fed this and it's electric. It's so awesome. That is so cool. Well, you were a celebrity to me because I watched her movie in the movie theater <laughs> and I saw you like five times. I was like, dude, the camera loves Jeanette. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I wish they would have told us that they were filming. That. <laughs> I probably would have worn some cuter clothes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, somebody said I need to add that to like my IMDB now. So do you have an IMDB? No. <laughs> I was like, wow, I need to get with the program. Do we need one? I don't know. <laughs> so if I ever get one, that will obviously be the first thing that I put on it. Of course it will. What else is there? <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> I've never been in it on a movie and probably never will. <laughs> This could be your big break. Mm-hmm. You never know. Okay. I haven't received any phone calls since, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're just waiting. You're just waiting. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Okay. So now that we've talked a little bit about our, our celebrity girl crush, let's dive into the meat of it. We talked a little bit about your bio, and that's kind of like the nuts and bolts of it. But tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you found your passion, how you got to where you are, and kind of what you're doing now Um just in general, give the people what they want. They want to know more about you. Well, okay. So like you said, Jesse and I got married super young. Um, and kind of the beauty in that is growing up with your spouse. He was 20, he turned 20 right after we got married. I was 18 and a half. Uh, it was literally six months after I graduated high school. It was so, so young. So we got married and just made the decision that like, we were going to grow up together. We were going to, um, put in the work and just get old together. Um, so, two years later. So the first, our, hmm, the first year we had a miscarriage and that was devastating. And we were kind of like, okay, but I looked, I looked at God. I prayed. I was like, Lord, you got me pregnant this first time. You will give me a child. You like, this isn't going to be our story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about a month later, uh, we got pregnant with our son Ezekiel and he just now, gosh, he just now turned 12 and it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like having such a big boy is weird. Uh, and then about two years later, we, um, had our son Titus and Jesse and I were very, very content with having two boys, never going to have, going to have another pregnancy. Um, I get really emotional when I'm pregnant. I'm a really emotional person anyways, but when I'm pregnant, it's like, 
really emotional. So we were like, you know what? Our marriage is so important to us. Let's not get pregnant again because it might end it. <laughs> so, so we um, we lived in Alaska. We were totally happy. Four, two kids, a family of four, like just living that American dream. And then um, we really felt like the Lord said, hey, you've made this really great life in Alaska, but now I want you to move to Texas. And we were like, oh, okay. So it wasn't as easy as that conversation, but we uh, spent the next year preparing our family to move to Texas. And we moved to Texas and we love it here like so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, our friend, Holly, uh, your, your good oh. friend, my good friend, she's the saint that is Holly was on. She's the best. Um, over a cycle bike in a gym class, handed me a book and said, Hey, uh, she calls me net net. Hey, net net, read this book. It's going to change your life. And I was like, okay, Holly, like she had handed me so many books. I read <laughs> she loves books. to hand off books. That's she's what such she does. A good, she's <laughs> such good. Like she reads everything and, mm-hmm. and she's, a, um, used to be a high school lit teacher. So I just trust her judgment on everything. Mm-hmm. So she hands me this book and I'm like halfway through it. And it's called kisses from Katie by Katie Davis. And it's this young girl who moves to Africa and just, follows this passion of caring for the fatherless, like kids that need a mom and kids that like just have nothing. And part of me was like, Holly, what do you want? What do you want me to do with this? So I'm reading it and halfway through, I shut the book and I look at Jesse and I say, Hey, I think we need to adopt or sponsor like a hundred kids through like any sort of project. And he's like, okay, well, you know, see how the book ends first. (laughs) Like, okay. I'm like, you're right. So I finished the book and, uh, he had started praying and, uh, two days later he said, okay, well, what would we name her? And that (gasps) honestly was like the beginning of our adoption story. Like we were like totally open to it. And, um, it, that from that point on, it was about three, almost three and a half years later till we welcomed Zoe home. Um, so the process of it was super, super long and drawn out. Um, we worked with a country that shut down in the middle of it. (laughs) Like it was just a really, really hard journey, but it was, um, I'm glad for that because I can look back and think like, I mean, we had so many good times as the original four before we added Zoe, like it was Mm -hmm. so nice. Uh, not that it's not so nice now, but there was just some really sweet moments before she came home. Um, and so, yeah, so now that leads to us having this sweet little girl in our ha- in our home. Um, Zoe is deaf, so we um, use American Sign Language to communicate with her. And it's really awesome to see our boys kind of uh, take on that role of interpreter when she needs it or just, like, communicate with her. It's really sweet. And, um, yeah, we just kind of... Our lives just kind of rapidly changed with her, but Mm -hmm. it was really sweet. And so now that leads to us just kind of having these three wild and crazy kids (laughs) who are awesome. But uh, it was also kind of like they all started school and I kind of had idle hands and just kind of like, what am I going to do with my life? And then I started my podcast. So that is kind of like life in a nutshell. What like is that? That's a great, no, that's a great start. That's um, incredible. I have a ton of specific questions about the whole process. Um, I know you kind of just like, we decided three years later, brought her home. Like there's way more I know that that went into that whole process. So I'm really excited to like dig into the nitty gritty, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I remember cause I was still living in New Braunfels when you adopted Zoe. 
Um, yeah. You guys came to one of our fundraisers at the gym. I yes. know that. Yes, we did. And I remember, I think we were doing like a Bible study when you adopted her or like maybe right after. I can't remember. But like you didn't come for a while um, because it was like this process where you like really just needed to be present with her yeah. and like all of this stuff. So um, I vag- that's I vaguely remember it through my like very removed eyes, but yeah. Um, we got, like I said, we got a ton of questions and I think for most people who kind of have this on their heart or have it in the back of their mind, it seems like clearly it's a very arduous process. It can, it seems overwhelming probably because at times it is overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, it seems to me you read that book and it became kind of like a calling. Like if you didn't do this, like what would happen to you? Like you have to do this. Like you, you mm-hmm. have to keep moving forward. Cause I, I can't think of anything other, what else would like keep pushing you forward other than like feeling in your bones or your heart? Like this is what I need to do. Um, yeah, we were at a really great church at the time and their heart was really, really specific for the fatherless. And so it was kind of just this, like, um, it was like this beating drum that was like, there's this call for Christians to care for the orphans and care for widows. And, um, it's just, it's this thing that we believe so deeply in that like those kids who have nothing, they deserve something. And so it was kind of like, if I, I, I really believe if we had been disobedient to God in that, then we would have, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say like, it would have like damaged us, but I, I really do believe that there was a calling on our lives to do it and to not follow through would have been disobedient. Right. And, and, you know, you and I are both believers, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we have people from all over yeah. all beliefs and, you know, non-beliefs and in different backgrounds and things that they, you know, believe in, I guess. Um, yeah. and I feel like, you know, we attribute that to, you know, a calling on our heart from God, but like other people get that. And it, you know, wherever it comes from, it's something that, you know, like deep down, like it's just on your heart. Like it's written on your heart. Like it's just, you know what I mean? You feel it, you feel it in your bones that you're supposed to move somewhere. Like you're supposed to do something. And honestly, like we felt it that we were supposed to move to Texas. Well, I believe our move to Texas spurred on our adoption. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we would have adopted had we lived, had we stayed in Alaska. Right. And it's just crazy. Like, again, whatever your belief is, whether it's like the universe was telling you to do something or this, you know, whatever greater, this greater feeling, like, you know, it was calling you to be someplace at a certain time. I fully believe that, like, that's kind of how our lives move in this, Mm -hmm. this pattern of like, I don't know, it seems woo woo, but like that nothing doesn't happen. Everything happens for some particular purpose, even if it isn't revealed to you at the time. So, yep. That's magical to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's let's dive into it. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Zoe's adoption story specifically, and then we're going to answer some listener questions just about some of the like the process about of adoption. So um, you kind of told us what sparked the your interest or this like stirring in your heart was reading that book, Holly, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of p- pushing you along, even though she may not have realized what she was doing. I think she does. She is, yeah. she has plans for, for all the people around her. Um, I think so. and so that kind of sparked it. So talk to us about the process from the idea to actually holding Zoe. Walk us through, I mean, take as long as you need. I know it, it's probably complex, but like what was that process like and what did it entail? 
Yeah. So it is a very, very weird process. So when you know that you want to adopt, and like for us, we didn't think we wanted to adopt um, anywhere other than Africa. Like that was just kind of like where our hearts were drawn. And so we um, had to then, so there's actually this country that I wanted to adopt from and I had called and it was a pilot program and I'm talking to the lady and we're talking and it's the country's Burundi, which is right um, below Rwanda, right next to the Congo, um, right above Uganda. It is like a pinprick on a map. It's such a teeny country. And um, so I called and I was like, yes, this is what we want to do. And she's like, okay, well, tell me a couple of things about you. And I was like, okay, well, my husband and I have been married for, gosh, I think it was like eight years at the time, nine years. And she's like, okay, how old are you guys? And I was like, well, my husband is like 30 or 27, 20. He must have been like 29 and I'm 27. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're not old enough to adopt from our process, from this country. <laughs> like, what? I'm how old, old did you have to be? You'd be 30. 30. You have to oh, be, a lot word. of countries have stipulations on age and length of marriage and how many kids you already have in your home. So that was like a huge eye-opening thing. I was like, oh, shoot, I'm not old enough. And so then it was kind of like, am I old enough for anywhere? <laughs> like, am I going to have to wait? Yeah. And so then we just got on um, – it's like the U.S. Uh, embassy website where it shows like – all of the um, travel advisories and all of that kind of thing. So we got onto that website and looked at all of the countries that, that you are allowed to adopt from, from America. And we just had to like check off list by list, which ones we weren't, uh, which ones we weren't allowed to adopt from. And then which ones had like too long of a stay in country. Like some countries have, you have to go um, be in the country for like six months. Before you can process. take, before yes. you can take your child home. Okay. Yeah. And so part of me was like, I look back and I'm like, oh, we could have, we totally could have done that now. But at the time we had two little boys that wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not an easy thing to do. And so we just kind of like slowly checked off these countries and we stumbled upon the Democratic Republic of Congo, which used to be Zaire. And I always like, like to remind people it's uh, where George Foreman and Muhammad Ali fought the rumble in the jungle. So that country had we were we were old enough to adopt from there we had our like everything like we checked all their boxes like we were perfect for that country and it was so exciting because their processing time was like 6 to 9 months so it was like dang we're going to have this girl home in a year That's and crazy. now i always say like god was just like laughing at us like <laughs> You're not in the, you're in this for like the long haul. It's not going to be just this fast moving process. Right. So, so from that point on, it was just kind of like each, each step has steps. So we decided to adopt. So then we had to look at what the country needed. Well, we needed to partner with an agency. So we found an agency, um, that was out of Kentucky, I think. What was the agency that you guys used? Uh, It's no longer like being used, but it was called African Adoption Services. And so, yeah, now um, they, I actually think it might still be in process, but they've sold to somebody else. So that's one thing is like a lot of people ask us a lot about agency stuff. And um, I definitely think I would have gone with a bigger, more established agency, Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. So, so how did you find, how did you search for an agency or do you know of any of the bigger, more established agencies? Like if people are like, I'm going to go and I'm going to look at it for an agency right now, like how would they find one? 
a lot of Googling. Like, honestly, yeah. it was so much computer time. There is one out of Salt Lake City called Wasatch that I thought was great. Um, and there's, um, like, domestic adoption stuff. So domestic is where um, children are adopted from America, where there's a birth mom and that um, you kind of sign on for that. The one that I like the most, who I've heard the best um, reviews from, for lack of a better word, is Aggie Land Adoption Services. And that's based out of um, Brian? Is that what it's called? Yeah, College Station. Brian College Station. Yes, College Station. Yep. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't go to Texas A&M, did you? No, no, but I'm raising two Aggies, <laughs> I believe. So, oh, <laughs> so I'm like, gig <laughs> yes. Are you an Aggie? No, Tim is. Um, okay, and so okay. by default, I yes. kind of have to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So at a Brian College Station is this agency that um, does a lot of domestic adoptions, which we hear great things about and always recommend people to go see them. Um, so otherwise, like big agencies, they're all over the country. It's just finding the one that works with the right countries is kind of what I found. Okay. And so we partner with our agency. Well, then the agency needs like their 10 steps. And so we, you know, you just start, honestly, my heart was like, do every step as fast as I can so that I could hand it off and wait for them. I never wanted anybody waiting for me Mm -hmm. because that was the part I could control. I could control how fast I did something. I couldn't control how fast anybody else did anything. (laughs) So, um, you know, there's a home study that you have to do. So somebody comes into your home and they make sure your house is safe. They make sure you don't beat your children. Um, that was a funny situation. How do they, how do they do that? I mean, I can assume. Yeah. And they just talked to your kids. So she asked our boys and at this time, let's see, Zeke and Titus, they were both in school. Titus must've been like kindergarten and Ezekiel must've been in second grade. So they come in make sure all of that stuff is like good. That way, like they can say, we believe this family can and should adopt. Like you're like allowed to. So you do all of that. And then you send this, giant pack of stuff called a dossier. So it has, oh my gosh, I don't even know everything that's in it anymore. It's like your home study and um, letter of referrals from family members and friends and your pastor and um, your your passport photos, your marriage certificates, birth certificates, um, just everything that basically, I mean, we had to be fingerprinted at least 15 times through the entire, through the entire process because wow. every year you're this is a silly thing. Every year your fingerprints expire. Cause, wow. Because it's not like they change, but they but they have to get a new one every year. So we just had to send all of this stuff away. And that was my job, gathering all of that information and sending it off to our agency. And then our agency sent it to um, the Congo, where our lawyer was. Um, and then they paired us with the child. So that's a it's like each step has a step. So then once you're paired with the child... Um, we were paired once before with a little girl and then they said her family came back for her. So, so we lost what that, what that's called is we lost that referral. And so we had to wait for Zoe to be assigned to us again. So during that time, the country went through this really crazy shutdown where they weren't, um, they weren't allowing children to exit the country. And it was just like this big political move by their president in the Congo. That was just really hard. And so they were still processing adoptions. They just weren't allowing kids to leave. So we were just kind of like, you know what, we're going to keep going. We're going to, we're going to get our baby girl. So 
we continued the process. And um, during that time, we had asked our agency because we weren't getting referred. We were like, what is wrong? Like, we want to, this to move forward. So we asked, like, hey, we know that, like, there are deaf children around. Like, in Uganda, there's a huge deaf orphanage. Like, what is the deaf situation in the Congo? And she's like, oh, I'll get back to you. So then she gives us this sweet little girl, and um, we sign the papers on her. And then the next day, they come on our Facebook group. Our agency is like, hey, who is the family that was interested in a, in a deaf little girl? And I was like, well, now we're adopting two girls. Oh, and my Jessie's goodness. Like, oh, we're not adopting two. Because, like, for lack of, like, whatever, when you adopt two children that aren't biological, it's double the cost. So he was really wise, but we still had to sit down and have a really serious talk about, like, yeah, we said that we were interested, but, like, what did that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do we really want to do this? So we were sitting at a... Um, a little cafe here in New Braunfels and we both were just like silently looking at each other. Like we knew what we wanted to do and we knew what we needed to do, but to be the first one to say like, let's take this harder path. was really hard. And so we both were like, okay, we know that this deaf little girl is ours. We know that this is the path that we're going to walk. It's going to be harder. It's going to look different. Are we okay with that? Are our boys okay with that? And so we really brought them into it, too, and they were totally fine. And um, so we picked the second little girl, um, who is now Zoe. And so that was a really hard decision to Mm -hmm. kind of make because you're choosing a harder, not life, but you're choosing the harder situation. And... There's, it's so funny because you, you know how she is. <laughs> There's a time where I'm like, how are you even adopting? You are just like me. <laughs> like, this is so, I'm like, she's just so, she's so funny and she's so sassy and she's so full of life that I'm like, you um, are just like your mother and that drives me bananas. <laughs> So from the time we signed um, on Zoe, so we said, like, yes, we want to be her legal parents. Then they start the paperwork on her, and um, she was legally ours about four months later. So we were legally her parents in the Congo. So our lawyer had gone to court for us. They had blasted the airways, making sure nobody else um, could come for her or wanted to come for her and say like, wait, 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 that's my kid. Um, so we waited the whole month waiting for somebody to come forward and nobody did. And so she was legally ours, but we couldn't get her out because of the shutdown. Mm -hmm. So we had to wait And all this time. She's in a real small orphanage. Um, we get to talk to her on Skype, like every ever, every other month or something. And she was in an orphanage with some friends of ours, little boy, so we got to like, if they went over, like they went for Christmas. And so we got to send all the kids in the orphanage Christmas presents. And that was so fun. Aww. So he still talks about that. And, um, it was just so, it was, it was, it was neat, but it was also a really long two years. Like that part alone was just, um, excruciating knowing that she's yours, mm-hmm. but you just can't get to her. Um, and so, um, maybe like eight months later. So Jesse moved her from an orphanage to a foster home. Uh, he went over and met her and that was something he, he tells that story so well because our lawyer and her orphanage mama, who she had been with for 18 months, just lovingly, cause they loved her very much, but handed her over to him 
And he was like, okay. And she came to him willingly. She she knew who she w- knew who he was, but then they left her with him. And she and he's like, this Jesse's not a small man. He's like six six, and he's just <laughs> big, and just goes into his arms, and they leave. And he's like, you need a bath. Am I allowed to give you a bath? Like, <laughs> like just the thing. Yeah, like, dad, but you're not a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just so sweet. And so he had um, three or four days alone with her where they just kind of hung out. And there's some other adoptive families there. And then she went to her foster home where she stayed a few more months until um, until we were able to um, make a way for her to come home. And then she's been home uh, since August 18th, 2015. So we just celebrated three years of her in our family. Yay. Ugh. Such a sweet day. Hey friends, Laura and I are so excited to share that we've partnered with Beekeepers Naturals to bring you the latest buzz around some incredible plant-based and healing hive products that we've both absolutely fallen in love with. This company is not only creating hive-based products to solve modern health challenges naturally, but they're doing so with a huge goal to save the bees, which I absolutely adore. You guys know that I'm obsessed with coffee. You also know that I'm always on the lookout for ways to try and cut back. I swear the caffeine-free Bee Lixer Brain Fuel works better than any cup of coffee I've ever had at making me feel focused, energized, and actually a lot more even. I also recently took their propolis spray with me during airplane travels and used it as an immune support over the course of my trip. I came back with zero sniffles. The tickle in my throat was totally gone. It is amazing, and I swear by it for immune support. I really also... I'm just kind of low-key obsessed with the Bee Chill Hemp Honey Sticks. They have been incredible for my anxiety. After doing all the things during the day, a honey stick paired with a good meditation makes me feel the chillest. We love this company and their products so much that we've partnered with them to bring you a special discount just for Modern Mamas listeners. Get 15% off your order by visiting beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash Modern Mamas and use the code Modern Mamas at checkout. It's that simple. That's amazing. Well, and I know, you know, for the sake, we could probably talk about the whole process in depth for like hours and hours because the details and all of the the setbacks and the troubles that you guys went through um, and the really beautiful parts too, like I'm sure we could talk, like I said, over and over and over again about those. Um, If you had to, how old was Zoe when you guys adopted her? Uh, She came home. I would say like when she came home, because she was... When we signed on to her, she had just turned three. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize she was that young. Just a little. And then when she came home, she was just turning five. So we were in process with her for just just almost almost two full years with just her. That's incredible. That's like it's making me – I mean, Bear is five, and I just – imagining him as a three-year-old going through that whole process. And also adding the – it's not just a language barrier. It's it's a language barrier times 10 when you're having to learn. I mean, I'm sure you guys, knowing she was deaf, like y'all prepared your best trying to learn American Sign Language, correct? Did she know American Sign Language? We had sent like flashcards for her and stuff like that, but no, she didn't. She didn't really. She had no language when she came home. And we always said, like, we had the best of intentions. Like, we're going to learn so much science. So when she comes home, we're totally good. But we also kind of knew when she came home, she's not going to know anything. Right. So, so we really, as a family, learned 
and have learned sign language as we've taught her or as now as she teaches us because she goes to school and she comes home signing new things all the time. And I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> I have to like video, I have to video her, her to send to her teachers. I'm like, what is she saying to me? <laughs> She's pretty good at explaining it now, but I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. That's incredible. Um, so what was the most difficult part of the whole process? If you could single out something. I think there was just days of longing for her. Like, um, there was one Christmas, probably that Christmas, it was, it was that one Christmas that we had sent her Christmas gifts and Jesse had made the, this awesome steak dinner for us. And we're sitting there and he, um, went to pray over our dinner and he said, Lord, um, be with Zoe. And I just hope that she had a full belly today. And I was like, well, there goes my appetite. I cannot eat this steak knowing that my daughter probably had like rice and beans for, for Christmas. Like it, there were so many moments like that. There was, there's times where the boys would be like, I'm starving. And I'm like, no, you're not. Your sister is like, um, there's just, there's so many emotional moments like that where it was devastating. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't get to her. And so as a mom, you know, like if she's hurt or, um, like she came home with a few scars and I just don't know what those are. Like, I don't yeah. know where, like the boys, I know like every little inch of their like bodies because I've watched every little scar happen. Mm-hmm. And so with her, I'm like, where did this come from? And she's like, Man, I don't remember. Or <laughs> Probably good. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. didn't bite you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And there, there are like, I really do feel like I'm protected and that mm-hmm. she's protected in that because she probably doesn't remember a ton. But, um, yeah, just not being able to be or or being on the outside of her um, early childhood is really hard mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Thinking about my own children in that way, it, yeah. it would be it would be devastating. Well, so what was the best part of the whole process? Um, the day she came home, like it was pure joy. It was um, Jesse flew her home and he they flew into san antonio and so he got off the plane and he's like um so he's like walking down the the baggage terminals full of all of our people and balloons and it's just it's like electric down there and i had gone upstairs with our photographer friend and another friend of mine who had visited zoe multiple times um in the orphanage and so i'm like standing up there and i see them they're walking towards me and he's like hang on a second we have to go to the bathroom and i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> and so they go to the bathroom and then they come out and um i like somebody want to write a book and the first paragraph will be like I held you and all I could say was, I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe adoption is plan one. I do believe like our, our families need to stay together. Like there is, there's beauty in the first family. Mm-hmm. And so there's heartache with the sec with a the second there's hurt with an adoptive, an adoption. And so hugging her and just telling her like, I'm so sorry, but I'm so glad you're here. Like, I'll, like, I'll take care of you. It's so like, I have a picture and I'm weeping and she's just like totally stoic. Like if, <laughs> if it was weird for this white man to hold her the first time, it's gotta be even weirder for this weird white woman to be <laughs> sobbing for you. And so it was just, that was the best moment to like have my hands on her. Somebody asked me, they did a really sweet video for us and they said what do you feel right now and I was like it is finished like it is done my heart is lifted because there is many hard days ahead but this part is done it is is finished oh my gosh okay now I need to go take a little I know (laughs) (laughs) and you're like years removed from it now and it's still 
seems oh, bringing you to. Like, I told you I'm super emotional, so I can just like talk through tears and try to make it sound as normal as possible. <laughs> this is my. Uh, <laughs> this is your normal. Just crying <laughs> sporadically throughout the day. Um, that's amazing. I love hearing that. Um, I'm sure it was kind of like worth all of that hardship and and work to get to that point. So, um, mm-hmm. how did you prepare? you know, we talked a little about American sign language and how that was really kind of like, okay, you can't really prepare in that regard, but how did you prepare your friends, your family, your kiddos? I know that was probably a huge decision that you all made to do this. Um, how did you prepare them? And again, I'm sure even in the preparation, you weren't able to fully prepare for what it would be like to welcome, you know, another child into your home in this, these circumstances, but like, what, what was your, what was that process like for, for you and your kids? Uh, I think it was just a lot of open dialogue and it was probably not enough. Like we probably should have had more. Um, we're really going to have to like hold our, our toys with loose hands. We're all sharing. We're all, you know, um, our friends and family, we just kind of tried to share with them like as many blog posts as we could. Like, this is what worked well for this family. This is what worked well for this family. We might go completely dark and stay in our home for six months. That's what some people say to do. Or, um, like that's called cocooning. And Mm -hmm. we just tried to be really open with what we thought was, it was going to look like. And then it just, it looked so different, but it looked it was, it was, it was just weird. Like Zoe is just as much of a people person as I am. So for her to stay in our home with just me was, we were both miserable. <laughs> like, so we actually like got out into the real world really early, which was great. Um, we both needed that. And mm-hmm. so we just tried to prepare people as much as possible, but Zoe had a really good anchor to our family, which a lot of kids don't. Um, some, some kids do things called like, um, parent shop. So if you're out and like, um, say Jess, if you and I are out together and you offer Zoe food, well then Zoe could have like cozied up to you and like, what else can you give me? Like, like, Mm -hmm. like this looks really good with you. So what does this look like with you? And she's never done that. She's always had like a really good anchor about like, if she's going to run off, she's going to know exactly where Jesse and I are. So she can come right back to us. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we just like, we tried to read as much as we could and we tried to share as much as we could and just said like, this is what it could look like for us. And then we just adapted as need be. And there are like, we told our family members, like you have to lay a hard line with her. She does. She does really well with boundaries. If you don't, she will walk over you. (laughs) So now when she walks all over family members, I'm like, I told you, this is your fault. Like we're three years in and she's like the boss of your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> like We warned you. <laughs> oh right. my gosh. Uh, that's, she sounds like an incredible little girl. Um, strong-willed, opinionated. And I love that. I love that. Um, so what was the transition like? Um, was it, you kind of alluded it to, to it a yeah. little bit. Was, was it what you expected or was it you know, easier, more difficult? Were there twists and turns or was was it pretty par for the course? Um, I think it was pretty par for the course. I think honestly, if I look back at the first six months, I don't recall a lot. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was dark and it was hard and our boys have always been great sleepers. So we say, okay, it's time for bed. And they go to their bed and they lay down and they fall asleep and then we don't see them till morning. Mm -hmm. So with her, it was, um, just surrendering so much time. And I think that was really hard for me. I'm, I'm 
I hate to say it, but I'm like kind of controlling and kind of like, I really love our schedule. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to go lay in her room for an hour plus at night, just waiting for her to fall asleep. And that was really hard. And I think it was hard because, um, every move she made, I had to be on alert. Mm -hmm. And so I was exhausted. And then she, um, has like restless leg syndrome as she falls asleep. And that would drive me so nuts. (laughs) I would get so mad at her like wiggly legs. And so (laughs) I think the hardest part was like, you know, when, um, they say when you squeeze a sponge out, that's when all the yuck kind of comes out of a Mm -hmm. sponge. That's how I felt like I was. I felt like this adoption process was so great. And it was like the sponge was being full, like filled up. And then Zoe was just wringing me out for six months. And it was just all the yuck that I had. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was probably the hardest part of the transition. And then it was just kind of like learning what our family looked like. Our family Mm -hmm. looks different now. Not only because we have this sweet little African girl in our life, but because... Now when we go somewhere, we're we're hand gesturing and we're signing and we're trying to make accommodations for her and um, it's just different. And so I think right. learning learning that alone was what made those first six months really hard. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, it, I mean, it is a transition and it's transition for everybody and it's a transition. You know, you you spending you know thirty years of your life being one way and mothering one way and. Um, having a schedule and, you know, it's like mentally, intellectually, you know that that's going to change when you adopt, especially, yeah. you know, when you adopt some, a child that has very different needs. Um, yeah. But like, I think it's, it's like, it's like even really having your own child, it's like you can talk about like postpartum depression or adjusting to little sleep and like all of these things that people talk about, but until you go through it, you don't really realize how hard it can actually be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of like, I mean, I'm sure it was different in a lot of ways, obviously from postpartum, like delivery, delivering your biological child, but like, I'm sure there's a lot of adjustments. I'm going yes. around in circles, very similar adjustments. Um, yes. So, okay. So do you have time to dive into a few questions? Absolutely. Okay. So a lot of people had very similar questions, um, I mean, I'm looking through like probably half of the questions have to do with cost. So mm-hmm. how, what does it cost? Um, the average let's, let's, let's answer that one first. What roundabout to your knowledge, what is the average cost for international adoption? I would say the average is probably gosh. And I hate like, this is absolutely not an expert answer. And I know you have so many experts on your show. So I feel very like sweaty right now. <laughs> um, I would say the average international adoption is probably anywhere from forty-five to fifty-five thousand dollars. Okay, and that's like from start to finish. That's the travel. That's the yep. like all of that home, stuff. Like your home studies, your fingerprints, everything. Everything I would I would guess is right around there. And what would you say is the average? Again, yours was di- was different. Um, yeah. The average wait time, like. Um, gosh, I really do think. Um, when I when I talk to others now, two to three years isn't crazy long to be in process. Okay. So I would say about three. If you can finish your adoption in three years, that's a short adoption. Okay. that's That definitely puts things into perspective. Yeah. There are countries that are faster. I think like a China program... Um, I think, I think some of those are a year to two years, but still, I think anything under 
a year is like crazy fast. Um, I, I would say two to three is pretty normal. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so why did you guys end up choosing, this is a question from a listener. How did you choose international as opposed to domestic adoption? Um, that's a, such a great question. And we honestly, like we got that a lot early on and that was one that we kind of took, um, sometimes we would get like real sassy with it. And <laughs> like, uh, so honestly our reasoning was we felt like, um, our tax dollars are doing so much, not a ton, but they're doing a lot to help the kiddos that are in our system here in America. And, our system in America is like the foster care system um, is very flawed. I'm a firm believer in that. But these kids here are still living a better life than these kids are that are living in, in Africa in an orphanage. And so when we looked at that as um, where were we going to adopt from? Were we going to adopt a brand new baby? Well, that just doesn't seem it just didn't seem right for us. And so mm-hmm. it was we wanted to go for somebody who would have a um, we wanted not to rescue somebody because we absolutely did not rescue her, but we wanted to give somebody a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. And so when that was the case, when we looked at that, um, Africa was just kind of where we were drawn to. And I mean, her orphanage was small and clean, but it was, it's still a dirt floor cement orphanage. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, this is a, absolutely a personal question. The way you feel about something and what drove your decision can be completely different from someone else who went through the similar process. So, I mean, it's like, I know a lot of times it's like, I hesitate to share my reasoning. I don't want people to feel put off, but it's like, that's your, that's your experience. That's your train of thought, you know? So I love that. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. I mean, you're very like open and honest. And I think, you know, even if people disagree with anything, on our podcast, they, most of our guests, all of our guests, in fact, are so honest and open and loving about their perspective that it's like, I can respect that, you know? Yeah. Which I is the way so. we, and I mean, yeah, we should live our life that way anyways. It just right. hasn't really, it's not very common. Uh, but here it is, I feel like. Um, so with, okay, we talked about cost. Oh, okay. So you talked about like finding the right country for like you guys were not old enough mm-hmm. for other countries. We had quite a few questions about, um, do you know, is it possible for parents or to, for possible to adopt when parents work full time? Is that like a mark against you or? No, absolutely no. not. I think, um, I never saw anything like that. And I think a lot of our friends that we grew, we have, we just have an amazing community of adoptive families around us. Uh, mostly, you know, because the internet is so mm-hmm. great. Um, a lot of those families had double incomes and worked full time, both family members or both parents. And so, no, I never saw that that was like a hindrance. There was some that were like, you have six kids already in your family. Like that was kind of a, a hindrance for some people. Okay. And what about a single, like a single mom or, or wants to be a single mom or a yeah. single dad? Do they have, is there, are there any international countries that are, will allow you to adopt as a single parent? Some countries will. I know that Congo was, was not allowing single parents at the time. Okay. Um, I honestly haven't looked like, I think I have a little bit of like PTSD. Like I haven't looked at Congo's regulations in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that there was one mom who was, who was trying to fight for her child, but she couldn't because she was single. 
in the Congo, you mean for the Congo? Yes, yeah, okay. for the Congo program. But like through your research process, I know you weren't looking at that because yeah. you guys weren't were um, were married. But like, did, would you see other countries that do allow single parent adoptions? Yeah, some. I think you would just have to do the sim- same thing that what I did before is like just really kind of rifling through those regulations. Okay, gotcha. Um, and you kind of recommended or not re- recommended, but shared where you started at the U.S. Embassy website. Um, mm-hmm. You, this question is what organize, organizations do you recommend um, to get started on the journey? And so you had mentioned the Wasatch Agency and was the Aggieland Adoption Agency that was for domestic or was that? Yeah, for, that's okay. domestic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would think, I'm sure like it's one of those like kind of cop out and I don't mean to, but it's like, I'm sure you have somebody around you that has some sort of connection to adoption. Um, so just asking them like, Hey, where did that person start? Or what does this look like? I'm sure a lot of churches, if you're in a church, they have resources, resources that you can look at. But honestly, even, even as simple as like a Facebook post where, you know, does anybody have any recommendations on an adoption agency? You'll get flooded. Yeah. Okay. I feel like maybe it's on a lot more people's like heart or agenda, not agenda, that's the wrong word, but their plan, like it's kind of hidden there. And so it's probably a lot more common that you know people who have at least like done some preliminary research or looked into it tentatively, or they know a person who went through the process. Um, I can think of a handful of, um, friends through social media and in real life that have gone through the process in various countries um, multiple mm-hmm. times too. So um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And that's, that's some great direction with those two places as, or those two agencies as it is. So thank you for that. Um, do you have, okay. So you guys paid for the adoption. What are some creative ways that maybe you or that you would recommend to come up with the adoption fees? Because I can imagine most people don't have just like 55000 yeah. to $60,000 just laying around. And it stinks that I understand it. I understand the cost, but it also like, man, there's so many people out there that would love to offer a loving home to a child, but cost is the prohibitive issue. Yeah. Um, we absolutely did not do our finance financial part alone. We had so many people partner with us. Um, um, we started with a puzzle, (laughs) honestly, like we sold puzzle pieces and and sold them for, for $10. And we told people, if you buy a puzzle piece from us, we'll write the name on the back of this puzzle and now that it's put together and finalized there's this beautiful painting on the front and on the back of it is just all of these names of people who loved us enough to help zoe come home Mm. and who loved zoe so much so we sold puzzle pieces we sold t-shirts multiple t-shirts we did two um crossfit events to raise money we had um people send out emails on our behalf we had dinner parties thrown on our behalf like it just became this thing where we had to surrender our pride and say like, okay, we know that we're called to do this. And we know like in our bones that this child is ours. We just need help getting her here and home to us. So we had people send out emails saying like, Hey, the Tapleys, they have one last bill they need. Like, um, we'll pay for half of it. Can anybody else pay? Can any, you know, five, 10, whatever. And I had a lady at the gym hand me a check and she said, do not look at this. 
And I was like, yes, ma'am. And I was supposed to get, I was for me, but I had to give it to my friend and I didn't, I didn't look at it because she asked me not to, <laughs> but we just had all of these people come alongside us and support us. And so I think if you're, if you're feeling like, man, this is what I want to do, let your community be a part of it. And like, mm-hmm. that's, we did a change drive, like every cent counts every, you know, so like had people gather their change and we sold keychains. I mean, we try, our people were so sick of like, paying for stuff, but they still <laughs> did. And so, uh, our friend Holly actually sent me a picture yesterday where she's wearing one of the lifting for the lonely, uh, tank tops. Mm-hmm. And so that's I still have that tank top somewhere. I don't it's, know if I fit in it anymore, but I still have it. It's a great, it's shirt. a really comfy tank top. It, it really is. is. Uh, uh, so yeah, we just, we did so, we just tried to do so much to keep our community involved, but then we also tried to like reach reach out of our community to try to not make them exhausted with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it literally takes a village, right? Like oh, to so much. to raise and in this instance bring home a child and yeah. like that just it makes me feel so hopeful like just for because I feel like just as a as a what what's the word I'm like for as like a generation or as a as a country like parenting has become so isolating sometimes and people are having to struggle and do it alone. And just the fact that like you guys brought Zoe home, literally invested in you um, and believe that you guys were the parents for this particular child, like just, I mean, it's just amazing. So, yeah. Well, and you were a part of that, Jess, like, honestly, that was our story. And so like, even you and I were brought in during that time because our friend was like, Hey, I'm passionate about this family. Like come work out with me. So cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I, the last question looking back and you can make this brief. What do you wish you had known when you started the process was, was there any one piece that if you had to go back and do it over again, you would be like, yes, hands down. I wish I would have done that differently. I think the best thing I could have and should have done was enjoyed the days before, you know, mm-hmm. um, we just longed for her so much. We wanted her, we wanted her, we wanted her. But um, there were so many days that went by that I wanted her more than um, I was present with the boys. Oof, mm-hmm. that'll make me cry. Mm-hmm. So I think if I could have sat in the original for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. um, that's probably the one thing I would have done. Because she's going to come home no matter what. Like that was, we knew that. Um, and our family was going to be so different. And we knew that. But I think if I could have just sat in those dates with the boys just a little bit longer they're gonna make me cry (laughs) and how I mean but it's it's we all go through that even with biological children you know when we're pregnant those last couple weeks where it's just like oh my god I can't do this anymore like you know some of us are miserable physically emotionally taxed we're not sleeping and it's like just wishing these days to go by faster yeah um and then you know you the baby gets here and it's like oh my gosh it's this relief but it's also like you know there's a, at least for me I'm speaking for myself there's always yeah. a little bit of like regret like man I should have just appreciated her in my belly a little bit longer or like yeah. you know spent a little bit more time with bear and I don't try and like dwell in that like regret no, you, can't. you can't but you know it's it's wise words for people who mm-hmm. are going through are going to go through that process yeah. and it may fall on deaf ears because there's nothing you can do about controlling right. the emotions about when you're in that moment but if people can be a little bit more aware of like this is a very real thing you might feel afterwards and yeah, try and like sure. be a little bit more present so thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that that's all of our questions i think we Yay. man we nailed it 
Thank you so much. You are such a like breath of fresh air, so honest and open. And tell us where we can find you, how we can connect with you. I don't want to like put put you on blast and be like, email Jeanette with all your adoption questions, but I have a feeling like you'd be <laughs> open to chatting with somebody who is very serious about the process. But where can we find you and connect with you? I am most active on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out. And it's um, I'm at Jeanette Tapley. So it's just my name at Jeanette Tapley. My um, website is JeanetteTapley.com. And I would be more than happy to answer any more adoption questions or even like, hey, this is on my mind. What what do I do? Like I can send you Google links. I can just encourage you as you, um, as you walk that way. Because man, having friends beside you, matters. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm thrilled for this to go live. Um, as always guys, you can find us where, where can you find us? What day is it? Um, you can find us at modernmamaspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, you can find me at just.holdthispace on Instagram and at laura.radicalroots also on Instagram. You can connect with us on the Modern Mamas Facebook. Are you a part of that? the Facebook tribe. No, I need you to should get totally it, be a part of that. Um, join us there. That's where pretty much our listeners come together to support each other in real time. Um, it's an amazing special place. So that's where you can find us. Thanks for listening in Jeanette. Um, if you want to hang on the line, we will say our goodbyes, but thank you for being here friend. Thank you so much for having me. It means so much. All right. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.